Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome. I am your host Tia Hama and today we are going to be discussing the science of sleep and how this affects your personal productivity. I'm here with Dr. Nicole Moshfeg. Nicole, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So before we start, you've had a very interesting professional life. So for those who don't know you, do you mind explaining a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Absolutely. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist um, and I primarily treat people who are experiencing difficulties with sleep. Typically it's insomnia, um, as well as people who are experiencing difficulty with burnout and stress, um, in particular, high achieving women, overachieving women, typically doctors, lawyers, engineers, um, and people of color. Um, who might be facing also um, some racism-related stress and things of of that nature. Um, And so I I work on trauma as well as anxiety, stress, burnout, and of course, sleep. Wow, that is a seriously broad profession. Um, Just out of curiosity, during COVID, did your sort of, did your clientele base increase or did you see like any major kind of problems during that? Yes, that's a great question. So I would say that like most therapists, I did see a pretty big increase in demand for my services and for therapy services in general. Um, I do think that, you know, unfortunately, there were many consequences as a result of the pandemic. Some people were very negatively impacted, as we all know, some people more than others. And one common theme that definitely emerged throughout the pandemic was that people were noticing they were having a lot more difficulty with sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did get a, a lot of questions, a lot of people reaching out to me regarding that. Um... And unfortunately, I'm only one person. I wish there were more people trained in sleep <laughs> as well. But hopefully today I can provide some tips and tools to help people kind of overcome Definitely. any challenges they might face. Yes. Is it kind of like a niche sort of profession or are there are there a lot of people who are professionals in sleep? Because it sounds like you're sort of holding down the raft. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it is pretty niche still. I think, um, you know, they're training has started to increase over the Mm. years and there are more therapists getting training in in insomnia in particular. Um, But up until now, I think we had viewed, up until maybe the last 10 years or so, we had viewed insomnia as a primary uh, medical issue rather than a psychological issue. Um, or at least that's what most people thought of it as. Mm. Um, I think us in the mental health community had always kind of knew that it was you know, related <laughs> to a lot of different things. 
Yeah. Um, and so I think that that probably has a little bit to do with why you're seeing, you know, not as many providers trained in, in sleep or insomnia in particular, mm -hmm. uh, but hopefully that's, that's started to change. Yes, definitely. It's, especially since it's such an essential part of life. Like it's a, it's a non-negotiable. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. So we're going to do right. some get to know you questions now. This is just for the listeners and to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. Cool. Sure. Awesome. Okay. So first question, uh, recent book you've been reading. Yes. So I recently started reading a book called Homecoming by Dr. Tama Bryant. Um, it's a wonderful book. Highly recommend to anyone. Gorgeous. What's that about? So um, it's about overcoming fear um, and trauma and reclaiming your true authentic self is how she titles it. Um, so really about getting in touch with you and who you really are as a person and starting to understand and recognize how maybe traumatic experiences or stressful experiences throughout your life may have impacted you and the way you see yourself um, and starting to really kind of uncover those layers. Really, it's a lot about empowerment, which I, I love doing for the clients that I see as well. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. What's that one called? It, homecoming. Homecoming. Oh, awesome. And it's, it's by Dr. Uh, Tama Davis, Tama Bryant. Great. What is a movie you would recommend? Um, so I recently saw Hustle on Netflix. That's the one with Adam Sandler. Oh, um, yeah. It's pretty uh, interesting. Yeah. So um, any basketball fans out there might enjoy that one. Definitely. Highly recommend. And your favorite podcast? Um, so I don't have a favorite. There's so many I love out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one that I often listen to is the Meta so Hour podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. tons of good ones. Um, yeah, the Meta Hour is um, Sharon Salzberg, and this is uh, more about meditation and mindfulness. Oh, awesome. And who is your favorite famous role model or favorite role model? <laughs> That one's also hard for me to pick. I think uh, Michelle Obama is definitely one, Oprah Winfrey, yeah. um, and, you know, my mentors from graduate school. Maybe they're not quite as famous <laughs> on, on the worldwide scale, but I would say that they're up there too. Oh, still, no, that's so gorgeous. Yeah, Michelle and Oprah are definitely in my, like, top five. Michelle's book is so incredible. Have you read it? Yes, yes, for sure. It's so great. It's, yep, becoming for people who haven't read it. Go read it right now. <laughs> um, and what is a course you have completed? So I, I wouldn't say it was a full course that I took recently, but um, I did take an acceptance and commitment therapy um, kind of mini course with Stephen Hayes, who's the founder of that, that therapy. Um, short, the shortened version is ACT. Um, and it, it's used for a lot of different ailments, like insomnia for one and um, mm. stress, depression, things like that. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for answering those questions. So we're going to get into the sort of nitty gritty of it now. We're going to talk about sleeping, which is such, like I said before, an essential part of life. It's so crucial because humans, just, nobody can operate without it. Animals, humans, it's all something that we need to digest things, to help ourselves feel better, to look after ourselves. It's such a essential part of who we are. Um, but for our listeners, Nicole, 
because this podcast is about productivity and we're going to talk about how sleep affects that and how you can sleep productively, how would you define productivity? Yeah, so for me, the way I personally define it is, am I able to do the things that I need to do or want to do throughout the day? For the most part, of course, Mm. you know, there are going to be things. (laughs) that will come up for yeah. all of us that can get in the way. Um, but yeah, am I, I'm able to meet um, my own personal goals that I might have and um, really kind of staying in line with what I value and what's most important to me and trying to stay true to that. Yeah, definitely. I really like that definition. I think most people start with the input output thing, which is like obviously comes into that and is such a crucial part to that definition. But yeah, being able to actually meet your own kind of criteria and your own standards and helping that um, sort of align with your your values and your morals. I think that's such an interesting take on that. But what do you think people get wrong when it comes to personal productivity? Yeah, so, you know, for me, I think, um, and I was probably getting this wrong for a long time in my life as well. It relates to how I view productivity is, you know, uh, are you are you living for what other people think you should be doing and what other people think productive is, or are you living for your own version of what productivity is? Um, Because if you're not, you know, the chances are you're going to burn out really quickly um, and you're going to find yourself feeling pretty stressed and you're going to find yourself having trouble sleeping as well. And so I, I really think it's important to take a look at what's most important to you and how you can find balance in your life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, you know, there, there's going to be a hit on other areas of your life. So um, that, that's kind of how I personally view it. Yeah, definitely. And now we're going to talk a bit about how sleep and productivity intertwine. What does it mean to have productive sleep? Or is there such thing like, can you have a productive sleep? Yeah, so that reminds me of a a question that I actually commonly get um, from, you know, very busy people who are typically very high achieving or overachieving. They want to try to maximize their sleep as much as they can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The answer is, you know, there's kind of like a yes and no to that. Like, yes, you can make your sleep more efficient. And that actually is really important. Um, But you don't want to be placing too much emphasis on that because anytime you put too much pressure on sleep chances are your sleep is actually going to unfortunately (laughs) take a hit as a result and um, you're going to see that it's going to be harder to sleep Uh, but yeah so you know when you when you're thinking about sleep it's most important to think about your sleep quality Mm. not the quantity so really the quality of your sleep interesting yeah um yeah are you are you getting, you know, solid, uninterrupted sleep? Because um, otherwise, you know, then it's going to really impact uh, the sleep phases that you're entering, the architecture of your overall sleep, and you're going to notice that you're not going to feel as great during the day. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, yeah, so interesting that you mentioned that as the question that you get asked all the time, because it is something that you think about, um, sort of like, okay, like I need to maximize my ability to... <laughs> 
sleep sort of productively, whatever that means, um, so that I can be more productive during the day, that I can, you know, be more energetic, I could be more high functioning. And obviously, yes, those things intertwine, but it's almost like a stress, like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to sleep, like it's not going to work. And I know, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this. You're sort of like lying there and you're like, okay, I have to fall asleep now to be able to get this many hours or I have to fall asleep mm-hmm. now so that I can be energetic and it's like a stress and it's it's not helping yes. like, no point during exactly. that I just be like oh I need to fall asleep now and your body's like yeah okay let's let's do that 100% spot on yeah I, I wish we could will ourselves to sleep but unfortunately we can't <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh my gosh that would be a godsend for parents <laughs> <laughs> right right so how do you think uh, sleep influences an individual's productivity? Yeah. So I want to be careful with answering this question. And that's only because, you know, I do tend to see a lot of people who have insomnia and so they're already (laughs) very stressed out about their sleep and how it's impacting them during the day. Um, so, you know, I first want to put out that disclaimer that sleep is not the be all and end all. And just because you have a bad night of sleep, it doesn't mean you're doomed that, you know, the next day (laughs) or the rest of your life. Yeah, um, there are other things that factor into your productivity, not just your yeah. sleep. That being said, of course, sleep can impact your productivity, especially mm. um, for those who are kind of accustomed to whether whether it's intentional or not. Maybe sometimes some people need to do this, but some people will kind of burn the candle at both ends and they'll yeah. just stay up really late, um, working really late, and you know they find that they're sleeping less and less over time, um, that's going to take a hit, especially, you know, your, your productivity is going to be affected, especially if mm. you've been doing this for longer than, you know, a few months at a time, you're going to yeah. start to notice that your attention, your concentration is going to start to wane, you're not going to feel as focused during the day. Mm. Um, maybe your emotion regulation is going to be a little more difficult. So you might find yourself feeling a little more irritable uh, than you normally are, uh, you know, it's, it's going to impact quite a lot. Um, but again, just making sure we're kind of keeping it um, in balance <clears throat> in that, you know, that's not the only thing that's going to affect how you're feeling during the day, but it, it is definitely quite important. Yeah, I think it's such an important question to answer in a way that doesn't sort of manipulate the material, because obviously your productivity is going to be so affected by your sleep, but then you can't put all that pressure on it and all that weight on it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that kind of leads into my next question. A very faulty misconception about sleep is that you can actually catch up on missed sleep and sort of compensate for it. So what is your take on people sort of who try to compensate for sleep or try to nap throughout the day so that they can sort of, you know, get all the sleep that they feel like they need? Yeah, that's another great question. So um, you're right in that you can't really catch up on sleep um, in the long run. However, there is some leeway there. So, you know, uh, how I like to think of it is, you know, you can kind of think of how you're sleeping overall week by week. So if your overall average throughout one week is where it needs to be, you're okay, you can kind of make up for it within that week. But anything beyond that, it's probably going to be a little more difficult to compensate. Um, 
to address your question about, you know, maybe some people compensate by, I think you said taking taking naps in particular. Yeah, like taking that a right? nap during the day. Yeah, so um, it's really going to depend on the person. For the most part, if you are someone who is struggling with insomnia, meaning you consistently are experiencing difficulty sleeping at least three times a week or more for yeah. at least three months or longer, and you know, you're having either trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, or maybe your sleep is restless, quality is not good. Um, napping is actually really not recommended in those instances. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, the more sedentary we are during the yeah. day and the longer naps we take, it's really then going to cut into what we call our homeostatic sleep drive. And that's okay. one of the two things that really controls our sleep. Yeah. And so as a result of that, you know, if you've ever taken a nap pretty close to your bedtime, especially, you would have noticed this, it's going to push back then when you fall asleep yeah, later definitely. on, right? Mm. And so we really want to be careful if we're having trouble sleeping, not to go to napping, because yeah. then it's going to end end up being this kind of endless loop, right? Of, you know, yeah. sleeping only a few hours at night, and then taking naps during the day, yeah. and then your schedule is going to get kind of all messed up. Um, <laughs> That being said, there are some cultures where biphasic sleep happens. So you're sleeping two, you have two separate sleeps perhaps, and that might work for you. And yeah, maybe okay. your, your work schedule is set up in that way so that it yeah. works fine. Um, so I'm, I'm always careful around that. You know, I want to kind of see what is your current lifestyle like and what's mm. really going to work best for you. Yeah. But in general, that's not something we, we want to do. It, it tends to not work out. Yeah, definitely. I think... I've like never been a nap person. Like it's just sort of not who I am because I figure like, okay, if I'm like tired now and I get to the end of the day, I know that I'm going to fall asleep. So I'm like, okay, like I'm going to sign up, like not take advantage of this, but sort of use it to my advantage. Yes. To take advantage of it essentially to be able to fall asleep later. So I've always been so fascinated. Like I have a friend who he takes nap, like, every single day Mm -hmm. without sort of Mm -hmm. without question um Mm -hmm. but then I'm like well you're always tired (laughs) so I'm kind of wondering so are you do you take naps like is it something that you have participated in so for me personally I don't I mean of course when I was a lot younger like a teenager yeah (laughs) that teens are probably (laughs) napping quite a bit because for other reasons, you know, their yeah. school schedule is typically not set up to meet their own um, biological rhythm correctly. Mm, and so then they're compensating. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a whole other issue. But um, I generally, I won't take a nap because of what you just said. Because I know, you know, if I take <laughs> it up, then at nighttime, I'm going to have really I'm good sleep see. drive. My sleep yeah. quality is going to be good. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, uh, better to kind of wait it out. Um, and that's how I personally do it. But, you know, yeah. again. If it's working for you, then great. <laughs> but if it's not, yeah. then we want to take a look at it and see if we can modify anything. Interesting. Because my next question ties into this sort of taking like naps or, or new thing called sleep breaks. Um, mm-hmm. So there's been research where some companies have implemented sleep breaks into their lunch breaks. So they'll give you sort of like mm-hmm. a 30-minute lunch break and then a 30-minute sleep break. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you think that this is 
a good idea or do you think that this can be kind of dangerous in terms of sort of separating your work life and your home life and how your body adjusts to sort of sleeping conditions and I'm really interested because I think for me personally I don't I I could not do this (laughs) I definitely could not do it the only time I could ever nap or sleep somewhere that was not my own house was when I was in like kindergarten and it was something that you did in the middle of the day (laughs) like when I was like four and it was so required um but now like in my 20s I'm like oh my goodness Mm -hmm. like there's no way I could you know in the office and then like go lay down in like a like a hub like those things they have at Google yeah Um, so what are like what are your thoughts on this like do you think this is like a new trend do you think this is something people should implement yeah another yeah it's interesting I've seen that a lot too I've got I've gotten this question a lot from different companies I've consulted Mm. with as well and you know uh this is another one where it depends unfortunately (laughs) so if if companies are doing that because they're requiring people to stay up late and push their boundaries Mm. around work and be on 24 seven, and that's their way of kind of saying, Oh, Hey, you know, cover up for that. (laughs) Um, I don't like that. I don't think that's a good idea. It's not good for anyone. Um, However, I I think if we can kind of see it as like, maybe you have the option, like flex time, you have the option to take Mm, a nap if you like, 30 minutes is actually a good window um, of time if you are going to take a nap, because it's Mm. kind of that, for most people, a sweet spot where it's not too much so that it's then really cutting into your sleep drive. And then also you're kind of... um, feeling a bit lethargic right after you wake up. So yeah. you're not experiencing that, but it, but it's enough to get a little bit of a boost. And so for some people who are sleeping well at night and, you know, they're getting sufficient quality and quantity sleep, and if they want to mm-hmm. then take that nap and that feels good for them, then great. Yeah. For other people who are having sleep problems, that's not <laughs> going to be a good idea. Yeah. Um, and also for some people, they might not need it. So maybe they want yeah. to use that time to do a meditation or to do some yoga or to do something else just to rest and kind of separate themselves from work. So um, it has pros and cons. And I think it's, it's really going to depend on the company and their overall culture and how they're framing this and what else mm. are they doing besides yeah. this, what what are what are things like um but definitely and that that could kind of yeah it's, it's not a yes or no for me strictly at this point yeah exactly I think we've kind of figured that out so far this sort of 20 minutes it's <laughs> right. like sleep is sleep is such a sort of like well it depends you know it's like when you ask yes. a lawyer a question they're gonna be like well it depends you know there's different factors <laughs> exactly how that sort of goes into it um but I think during COVID, this is something that mm-hmm. I saw come up a lot in terms of separating your space from your workspace and then sort of yes. like your home space where you sleep. And, you know, you hear mm-hmm. these things like, you know, like when you're at university, they're like, you know, don't work in bed, don't like, you know, use yes. your laptop when mm-hmm. you're in bed or that kind of thing. So yeah. when it comes to sort of like these workplaces that are now implementing sleep breaks, I'm like, okay, how does that work? Do you think that sleep should remain within the home setting? Like, do you think it needs to be something where people sort of need to carve out boundaries in terms of like where they sleep, in terms of don't sleep at your desk, make sure you sleep in your bed so that you have that defined kind of space? Like, what's your opinion on that? 
Yes, that, that's an excellent point. So uh, in general, that, that is the guideline uh, that we want to leave sleep, um, only sleep in your bed and sleep only in your bed too. So um, if you can build a very strong connection between your bed and sleep, yeah. that's going to be really important in maintaining your sleep quality and quantity. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, like you were saying, you know, it's, sometimes maybe taking a nap outside of where you normally sleep is for people who generally sleep well should be fine. It shouldn't be a problem. But if you're noticing that you have a history of being a kind of poor sleeper, you really want to try to um, be as strict as you can, but also giving yourself some flexibility. Of course, we don't want to take it to the other extreme where we're kind of feeling like we have to rigidly adhere to every single rule so (laughs) so that it's negatively impacting other areas of our life. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about just kind of keeping it in balance. But yeah, we, we want to try to maintain that role as much as we can. Yeah, I find it so interesting. Is there like a very, is there like a specific psychology behind it in terms of like your body goes to like when you go to bed, your brain's like, oh yes, this is like, this is the space. Like, is it that kind of like your yes. brain identifies it as a place where you sleep or is it like, like, how does that work? Absolutely. Great question. Yeah. So it's exactly what you said. So it, it works on these um, classical conditioning principles. Of, that's how we yeah. refer to it in, in psychology, where, you know, if you are pairing your bed with sleep, um, especially and falling asleep quickly and not doing anything mm. else in your bed but sleep other than <laughs> yeah. being intimate, maybe, um, you know, then your brain is going to very strongly link that place with sleep. Mm. And so that it will help you to sleep better. Um, On the other hand, if you're doing other things, uh, watching TV, eating, staying up on your phone, it's going to confuse your brain a bit. Mm. So our brain is kind of always looking for shortcuts to simplify things. There's (laughs) so much we have to retain at any given moment, right? And so uh, the more it can simplify pathways, the easier, less mental load we'll have. And so that, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of why, um, you know, this basic principle will work. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, like they've, they tell us that a lot when you're at university, um, you know, sort of make sure you have that boundary. And especially during COVID, like it was so, it was so important um, yeah. that, you know, I didn't work in my bed because then it just became like a second couch kind of situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is mm-hmm. which is not great. Um, but anyway, the next question I wanted to ask sort of revolves more around, yeah, this sort of like efficient sleeping or sleep productivity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. research mm-hmm. has shown that um, somebody can operate better during the day if they've obtained a sufficient level of sleep and, you know, you can perform better and you're more productive because you fulfilled sort of like your bodily need. Um, Mm -hmm. When it comes to sort of your professional life and the employer-employee sort of relationship, what are some ways employers can help or encourage their employees to get the right amount of sleep to ensure that they're productivity is consistent and that they're able to come to work sort of like as them best as their best selves yeah that that's that's a, a great question and I think it relates back to what I was saying earlier you know the how can the company set an overall workplace culture and environment 
where there are very strict boundaries around work (laughs) and personal leisure time, right? So, you know, setting an example from the highest level of, you know, this is when we're all signing off. Uh, Of course, some companies might need to have services where certain people are on call and working in Mm. shifts and things like that. Um, But overall, giving people the time and the space they need to be able to take care of themselves and really treating it as a priority. So not having this expectation that people are going to sign on for a second shift, you know, when they get home um, or, you know, after dinner or something like that, right? Because uh, that, that really is then going to cut into rest time and sleep time and the thing is you know we're most of us kind of know that for kids if you think about putting a kid to sleep right you want to kind of read them a bedtime story and brush (laughs) their teeth and do do a whole (laughs) bedtime routine exactly right and and we kind of forget how important that is as adults but we actually we need that too we can't Mm. go from working to all of a sudden five minutes later expecting ourselves to be asleep that's not going to work we need to have a buffer zone of at least 45 minutes at the bare minimum to really be able to disconnect really? from work. and some people need way more than that yeah absolutely so interesting. otherwise our brain's going to keep going and yeah. you know we're going to be too stimulated and we're not going to be able to sleep um, or we might wake up in the middle of the night and then our brain's going and we can't fall back asleep Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Just going back to what you said before in terms of that buffer time, because when you do think about it, you know, you put your kid to sleep and it is such a process. (laughs) Like besides, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to get them to brush their teeth or, you know, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things or actually get dressed into their pajamas, which is a a whole adventure. Um, Mm -hmm. When it comes to that, that it is such a process and you sort of take that time to calm them down and sort of get them into that sort of space that a lot of the time you're like, okay, this is making it easier for me, but it's also making it easier for them to kind of calm down and sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. settle down in those sort of terms Mm -hmm. um, and fall into sleep. And as Mm -hmm. adults, I think like, obviously we don't do that a lot for ourselves. And you mentioned having that 45 minute sort of buffer time um how is that how does that buffer time work like is that sort of 45 minutes you know after I've stopped looking at my phone or is it sort Mm -hmm. of like you know like taking a shower and brushing teeth like sort of what is that 45 minutes supposed to look like or that sort of space between yeah sort of work and sleep what's that space supposed to look like Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the phone question. I get that one. Constantly. <laughs> yes. I'm so <laughs> curious. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all addicted to our phones. It's okay. Exactly. I understand. You, know. <laughs> um, you probably know what I'm going to say. Obviously, yeah. ideally, it would be better not to be on your phone at least 45 minutes before your bedtime. You know, there are a few reasons for that. One is the blue light that's emitted from your devices. That's similar to the same kind of light we receive from the sun. The sun is what helps kind of set our biological clock and tells us when it's time to feel most alert and when it's time to feel most sleepy. sleepy. And so that's going to kind of interfere with things. Yeah. Of course, there are now, you know, blue light blocking kind of glasses. And also you can set the night shift mode on your phone. That's going to protect you somewhat from that. But beyond that, typically people who are on their phones 
kryptonite. They're usually on social media. You know, there might be answering work <laughs> yeah. emails. All those things are going to really start to stimulate you again and kind of get your yeah. brain going. So unless you're using it to really wind down and you do notice mm. that it helps you to feel more at peace and calm, if, if, if that's working for you, go for it. But if you're noticing like that, it's going to it's kind of hard to you know, put the phone down or yeah. you know, I'm wrapped up in looking at TikTok for like an hour at a time. You know, it's probably a good idea yeah. to start practicing like, okay, this is maybe I'm going to set an alarm. Like this is my yeah. absolute latest where I'm going to have this on and, you know, I'm going to be intentional about setting it aside. If I need to put it in another room, I'm going to put it in another room, right? Um, whatever you need to do to kind of have that boundary. Um, and yeah, from there, of course, no work during that time. Um, you know, you want to be spending that time doing things as relaxing as possible. So yeah. it looks different for different people. Some people like to take a warm shower or bath. Some people like to have a skincare routine. Some people like to, you know, light incense or do yeah. a meditation or do some gentle stretching or read something or you could even watch an episode of something light and funny. <laughs> yeah. Don't watch the news. That's probably not a good idea at that time. <laughs> yeah. um, but just something simple, something easy. And, and the more you can kind of get into a routine and find what works for you, the more actually engaging in this routine actually starts to also cue your brain that, oh, okay, this, this means sleep is coming soon. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you in terms of does having that routine and sort of those patterns that you do before you go to sleep, does that help sort of prepare your body to fall asleep faster? Like, is that something that you'd recommend people sort of putting in kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a routine, whether it's sort of like little like trigger points for your brain where it's kind of like, okay, like everybody sort of prepare to shut everything down. Yes, you got it. Absolutely. So the, the more you can identify a routine, and it doesn't need to be too complicated. Maybe it's only like two things that you're doing. Yeah. But you know, if you need to do more, you need to do more. Um, the more you can identify that, the better. Yeah, the better you, sh you will find yourself sleeping overall. Yeah. Do you have like, sort of things that do you have like, sort of like little trigger points? Because I know I have like, maybe like one or two. Do you sort of have ones where you're like, your body's like, yes, okay, like this is what we're preparing for it. <laughs> yes, yes. So for me, I need to give myself uh, at least an hour and a half of wind down. Um, yeah, wow. I, I am a little more night owl oriented um, by nature. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's your biology, you just need to learn how to work with it. Um, if that's the case, like if you're finding like naturally you are more of a night person, then you actually, if you want to be up earlier, it's really important that you do give yourself even more of a yeah. buffer zone period. So even up to two hours of this buffer <laughs> zone period. Yeah. So, um, you know, I will do my shower, I'll have, you know, skincare routine, brushing mm. teeth, things like that. Um, and then I will either read for 30 minutes or so um or i'll watch an episode of just like a funny like usually like an <laughs> yeah. adult like cartoon show or something like yeah. that just something that doesn't get me thinking about stuff um <laughs> yeah. and, and typically actually i forgot before that i'll, I'll also before before any of this, I'll also um, write down, you know, any remaining to do's or anything I have on my mind to kind of empty mm. my brain out. Um, yeah. 
that really helps, especially for those who find themselves like thinking a lot or waking up in the middle of the night thinking about like, oh, I have this, that, another thing to do. Giving yourself an opportunity to really empty your brain out before bed helps to prevent that from coming up then during your sleep yeah. period. Does that kind of tie into like people having like a diary, like journaling, like and doing those kinds of things yeah. before sleep? Is that sort of like what that would be? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, journaling is great. So many benefits. A lot of people don't like writing. You don't necessarily have to write. You can record, audio record yourself, speak if that if you prefer doing that yeah. um, electronically, write down notes. Um, it doesn't have to be long either, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, just taking a look at, you know, what do I have going on in my schedule? What do I need to do tomorrow? Do I need to problem solve anything uh, yeah. so that I'm not, you know, again, up thinking about it in the middle of the night? Interesting. And you mentioned before sort of like you're more of a night person. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm more of a night person, used to be more of a morning person when I was like younger in high school, um, but now I'm probably more of a night person. I feel like most adults kind of go into that weird sort of like switch over. How, what are like some signs or what should people sort of look out for in terms of figuring out whether they operate better at different times to help adjust their sleep? Like I know my dad, wakes up at like the mm-hmm. crack of dawn and like has to mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just sort of like mm-hmm. his body clock he operates better at that time like my dad shuts off at like six seven o'clock and after that like he's just not he's not comprehensible whereas my mom is the complete opposite it takes her a really long time to get mm-hmm. started in the morning and therefore mm-hmm. she sort of adjusts her sleep um mm-hmm. what are some things that people should sort of maybe look for or little signs or how do they how can they know because I feel like there's such a people like oh you have to get up early and sort of like maybe miss out on some sleep or sort of adjust your sleep pattern to be your most productive self how uh, how do people sort of how do people know what is what kind of uh sleep pattern or sort of time schedule is going to be most productive for them yeah yeah great question um so there are a few ways. Um, there, there are some really great quizzes online. If you just want to Google, like, you know, find my chronotype or, you know, my biological rhythm type, yeah. um, they can ask kind of detailed questions about, like, when do you find yourself to be most productive? Like, if you were going to take a big exam, for example, like, what time of day would yeah. you be taking it? Like, early in the morning, mid-morning? Oh, interesting, yeah. Like that. Um, yeah, so just to kind of... Kind of can get us and some people though um they're not sure and so you know we might need to do a little more detective work from there um Mm. so another kind of way to gauge it uh, is maybe think about the last time that you were on vacation um and you didn't have to be up at any given time like when did you find yourself naturally waking up um and this is you know depends on what kind of vacation you're taking sometimes people will (laughs) take one and you know, they're, they're up super early to do some kind of crazy excursion or things yeah. like that. But, you know, if you're, if you have like a week or so of, you know, you don't have anything scheduled and just kind of allowing yourself to see when you're naturally getting up, that can be kind of like a gauge of, okay, um, if I'm getting up around seven, maybe that means I'm, you know, in the kind of usual, what we say usual range. Although again, it varies from person to person. Mm. Um, if you're more of like mm, 10 o'clock seems to be the time or later, even yeah. when I naturally wake up and, and feel really good, that might mean that you are more of an evening type person. 
Um, you can also take a look at when are you naturally noticing that you're getting sleepy. Um, yeah. So again, it, it's hard for some people because sometimes they're forced into work schedules that require them to get up yeah. a lot earlier than would naturally feel mm -hmm. um, good for them. And so, you know, we really trying to kind of see like when you're not scheduled for anything, what, what actually comes up, you can even keep a journal. So um, regularly with my clients, I have them actually keep what's called a sleep diary. And it's just mm. a subjective measure of how you think you're sleeping. Um, and you can write on there, you know, what, when did I notice myself yeah. getting sleepy? And after about a week or two of data, you can start to notice some patterns and kind of get a sense of yourself. So it's really about just building that inner awareness as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. And it's such a hard sort of thing to um, monitor or maintain because, yeah, a lot of the time you sort of your work schedule forces you to get up at certain times. I know like if I get up any earlier than seven, I suffer. <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. it's not an enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. I naturally get up around like 9.30ish, um, which for mm -hmm. so many of my friends is so late. Like they're so outraged mm -hmm. by it. They're like, Tia, how could you wake <laughs> up like, you know, after 8 a.m. because they get up at like 7 a.m. And it's just sort of like their oh. natural thing. Whereas I'm like, oh, like mm -hmm. I usually sleep until 9.30, 10 a.m. And for me, that doesn't, it doesn't feel like a sleep in. Like I get up and I feel like, you know, like, okay, yeah. I had the amount of sleep that I needed or mm -hmm. I felt I needed and that's usually because I fall asleep around uh like you know 11 11 30 um and mm -hmm. I feel like I need a very kind of long time to sleep and mm -hmm. that kind of brings me to my next question mm -hmm. how many hours of sleep do people need or would you recommend for them to you know be efficient and productive in their daily life yeah, another very common question. And I would say, unfortunately, for this one, it also depends. <laughs> so yeah, um, we often I think we hear this like eight hours It's this like myth of this magical number that everyone should strive for eight hours. Yeah. That's not true. Um, the usual range for most people is somewhere between seven to nine hours. Some people will fall a little bit outside of that range too. That doesn't mean yeah. there's anything wrong with you. It just depends on you personally. Um, the best way to kind of figure this out is to see, you know, how many hours of solid sleep are you getting where um, that is enough to carry you throughout the day to do the things that you need to or want to do during, during yeah. the day to remain productive, in other words. Um, and that will be your number. So it, it might take a little bit of kind of examining, like, you know, keeping track of your sleep using that sleep diary that I was mentioning until yeah. you figure out what, what personally feels right for you. Because for some people, seven hours is enough. For other people, they need up to 10. You know, it really <laughs> yeah. depends. So, um, but what I really want people to kind of take away from this is that your, your quality is actually going to be much more important than your quantity. So yeah. if you're getting nine hours of you know, really uh, choppy sleep, you know, getting a few hours here and there, that's actually not going to do as much for you as maybe six to seven hours of really solid sleep where, yeah. of course, it's natural to wake up in the middle of the night, but you're not up for longer than a few minutes at, at, the t at a time. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So my next question is sort of, you have mentioned sleep quality over quantity. 
Um, and to care for your sleep quality, you have to have sort of good sleep hygiene. Um, so what are your sort of top three tips maybe on good sleep hygiene in particular for people who are very busy and maybe don't have a consistent sleep schedule? Yeah, so a, a lot of my tips are ones that I've already mentioned, um, but I'll see if I can give some more. But, you know, sleep hygiene, I just want to say that's kind of like the basics where you want to make sure you're hitting that no matter what. But if you have a problem like insomnia, sleep hygiene is not going to be enough to address it. So I, I just yeah. want to put that out there. Um, but other than that, you know, of course, having that wind down period, really important. You want to make sure you're protecting that 45 minutes to hour and a half, two hours before bed. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you want to kind of keep that journal, right, that I was saying. Um, maybe you also, what would be important that it's, it's not actually in really the sleep hygiene realm. It's more so in the kind of sleep drive or biological clock realm. We yeah. want to try to actually get up at the same time every day if we can. This one might be a bit tricky for people who are night owls who have to keep an early bird or morning lark <laughs> yeah. schedule. You know, they, they find that they, they might need to sleep in um, on the weekend. If that works for them, they're not having trouble sleeping. That's totally fine. But if you're having some trouble with sleep, it's going to be really important to try to get up and start your day at the same time every day. Every mm -hmm. time you get up, your biological clock resets. And so we want to make sure that's staying consistent and regular. Otherwise, yeah. your clock will get really confused. So trying to get up around the same time every day is super important. Um, I would also say that trying to get exercise is really important as well. Um, of course, things have started to open back up a lot. of depends you know, where you are in the world, of course. Um, and so now people are able to get out more. Um, but during the <laughs> pandemic, I think that was other than what you said, of you know, a lot of people were forced to work from home. And that also disrupted the sleep environment. Um, people were not as active as they as they mm. used to be. And so that yeah, was also definitely. sleep. So it's really important for you to move your body as much as you're able to during the day, uh, because that helps to build up your sleep drive as well. So the more active you are, the better sleep you're going to get, the better sleep you're going to get, the more, you know, energy you'll have for workouts or <laughs> yeah. any kind of um, activity that you're doing. So they really yeah. go hand in hand. So, so those would be some of my top ones. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, exercise, so many benefits. <laughs> I think you can't go mm -hmm. wrong with, yeah, at least like 30 minutes of exercise. It has, and I, I do notice that I do get a better quality of sleep when I do sort of exercise on a more regular basis because I am more tired when I do, mm -hmm. like when my head sort of hits the pillow, my body is like, we are so ready. <laughs> like we are ready <laughs> to fall asleep now. Um, so yes, definitely. Thank you for those tips. So mm -hmm. we're going to dive into sort of your personal practice and habit sort of debrief. This is a sort of where, you know, the listeners get to find out what do the experts do when it comes to <laughs> sort of their area. Um, you know, you're always curious sort of like, you know, what is it that the experts do when it comes to their profession and sort of their area of productivity? Um, so my first question is, what is the practice that you do to improve your sleep quality um, that in essence sort of affects your personal productivity? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I probably have already mentioned a lot of the big ones, right? So, <laughs> 
one, one was to get up at the same time every day. So I, I try to practice that for the most part, of course, you know, here and there once a week at most, if, you know, I need to sleep in for whatever reason I've been at an event, I will give myself some leeway around that. Right. Cause some things are more important than sleep. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, you know, I, I also have the wind down practice that I implement. Um, I try to engage in some sort of relaxation strategy at least once a day. So I will either do a meditation or I'll okay, do some yoga yeah. or maybe I'll take some deep breaths. I have the journaling practice. You know, I'm I'm often quite busy during the day as well. Uh, but I, I've learned that, you know, the more I practice my own self-care, <laughs> the better quality work I can do, yeah. right? And that's really what's most important to me. So I, I try to kind of emphasize, kind of think about, you know, what what are my energy levels like, right? Check mm -hmm. in with myself. If I'm feeling depleted, then that means I need to give, I need to rearrange some things. I need to give myself more time um, to do the things that re-energize me. Otherwise, you yeah. know, I'm not gonna be able to keep doing this work. And so I would say those are kind of like my biggest go-to practices for myself. Are there any challenges that you face like when you do this, especially sort of waking up at the same time every morning? Like, are there any challenges that you sort of had to overcome with that? Sure. I mean, like, like most people, especially those who are night owls, you know, if they're finding they, they want to maintain a bit of an earlier schedule. And I, I tend to want to maintain somewhat of an earlier schedule. Although I work, I have my own business. And so I'm able to kind of set my own schedule, which does help offset some of that. Um, yeah. But there were there was an adjustment period, certainly in the beginning of, of trying to kind of get up at an earlier hour. Um, and so, you know, I just had to remind myself that the more I stick with this, and the more consistent I can be with it, the more it's going to pay off in the long run. And so really just kind of some self motivation around it that, you know, it's, uh, the more you struggle right now, the more payoff you'll see in the end. <laughs> yeah. So if you could just kind of remind yourself, just stick with it, it'll get better over time. It typically yeah. does, you know, you just need to give yourself some time and patience. And again, if you fall off here and there, no need to be harsh with yourself around that. Yeah. That's not going to help anyone. Right? Yeah, so just giving yourself some compassion and some motivation. Yeah. That, that That's kind of my go-to. So you mentioned um, some sort of like self-care practices in terms of like journaling and meditating. Do you carve out time sort of like in your schedule specifically for these things or are they just sort of like spur of the moment yeah so um typically when i'm working during the week i will intentionally carve out time for that so i will have the hours that yeah. i'm working and then i will have the hours that i'm not and I, I try to stick to that for the most part of course sometimes there are emergencies you know we can't um, always predict what's going to happen. But, you know, for the most part, I will really try to stick with that. Um, otherwise, you know, then it's going <laughs> to become harder and harder to maintain. I know that from my own personal experience, <laughs> yeah. that, that works for me to have some, yeah. some separation there. Yeah, definitely. So would you recommend sort of like meditation and journaling? Like, do you think it's something that like everybody should implement in their lives, whether it not every, I know journaling's not for everybody, um, but maybe meditation. Do you think it's something that sort of the general population should practice for their own benefit? 
Yeah, so I, I never like to say it should because I think everyone is different and there will be different strategies that work for different people and that's totally fine. Um, yeah. Some people, when they hear about meditation, they already have like a really averse <laughs> kind of reaction to that. And yeah. it's okay, I understand that. Um, but it might also be because of, you know, misconceptions around like what meditation and mindfulness is and what idea they have around it. Um, I think really even having some informal mindfulness in your life can be beneficial to anyone. So when I, what I mean by that is trying um, as best as you can to practice being in the present moment and to be non-judgmental and have hold compassion for yourself in addition yeah. to that. And it's so tricky, believe me, I know it's not <laughs> it's easier said than done, but just to yeah. just strive for that and to know you're never going to be perfect. It's not about reaching some sort of Zen place where you like ma magically cleared out every thought. That's not possible. That's not what we're striving for, but just to, to mm. just notice, you know, what is the self-talk like? Uh, most of us yeah. are our own worst critics. There's a lot of inner critic um, dialogue going on. And so just to kind of build some awareness around that and to also be able to hold some compassion um, typically can help us to bring ourselves more peace and ease and, again, mm. also be more productive and sleep better and also, <laughs> you know, hopefully be better to the people in our lives that we love. Exactly, exactly. So... Based on your experience, do you have any other recommendations of practices that you would combine with this or sort of ways to improve on this particular practice? Yeah, so uh, like I was mentioning, you know, there, there, are, there are many different kinds of strategies. Um, the, so if you are experiencing insomnia, the main treatment that tends to work for most people is something called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, it's based off cognitive behavioral therapy, but it's a specific um, treatment just for insomnia. And a lot of it is part of what we've been talking about today. So there's a lot of education around sleep and what controls sleep. Um, you know, first, we want to look at sleep hygiene, too, that we were saying, like, what, what are the things that you're doing? And what are the things you're not doing? What do we need to work on? Um, and then we take a deeper dive into some of the more specific tools. So for some people, um, they are spending a really long time in bed for a pretty low rate of return. Like, for example, some people think, you know, I need to give myself 10 or 11 hours in bed because it takes me, you know, three or four hours to fall asleep. So yeah. fall asleep. So I have to give myself <laughs> extra time. And yeah. that's understandable, right? Because, um, you know, that, that would be most people's first thought. However, yeah. what we know is the more you do that, the more one, you are conditioning yourself to think of your bed for not sleeping, for being awake and maybe even tossing yeah. and turning. And also, too, you are reducing your sleep drive, right? Yeah. Because you're laying down, you're not active at that time. And so it actually ends up being unhelpful in the long run. Um, and so part of um, one of the main things that we might do for someone who's having trouble sleeping is to actually reduce the amount of time that they're spending in bed initially, 
in order to help them build up their sleep drive more and in order to have them um, hopefully have a better association with their bed and falling asleep quickly over time. Interesting. Um, and so that, that would be another kind of big one uh, for people yeah. to kind of think about. Um, so like, for example, for me, if I'm having an off week, which will happen to everyone from time to time, and I'm noticing that maybe there's been two nights in a row where I've had um, some disrupted sleep, I've had difficulty falling asleep, or I woke up in the middle of the night unexpectedly, um, and I couldn't get back to sleep after about 30 minutes. I will then the next night, after two nights of this happening, intentionally go to bed an hour later, so that I can increase my sleep drive and increase yeah. then the chances of me having more solid sleep. So it's a bit counterintuitive, but it actually yeah. does really work. Oh, that's so interesting. I will definitely have to remember that because sure, yeah, I yeah. am definitely I am definitely that person because it takes me like it takes me a hot minute to kind of sort of figure out, okay, like let's let's sleep, like let's actually do this now. Um, but I think I've kind of helped myself in terms of putting in sort of like trigger points and like patterns for myself mm -hmm. before I go to sleep. Um, but I definitely mm -hmm. need to, yeah, work on that that buffer time because sometimes I only give myself like 10 minutes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're not alone. Don't worry. No, I know. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that everybody needs to work on um, because it is so important. So mm -hmm. we're going to go into audience questions now. Um, so we've got a few okay. questions here. Um, a few of them are about deep sleep. So the first one I'm going to ask um, is how much um, does a person need deep sleep um, in one sleeping cycle? I think it might be helpful first just so we understand like what is deep sleep because I think it's sort of like a bit of a misconception um, and, you know, you hear about like REM and all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Can you just sort of explain mm -hmm. first sort of what deep sleep actually is? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, um, you know, when we're talking about deep sleep, we're referring to the sleep stages. So about every 90 minutes or so, we will all cycle through four different sleep stages. Some of them are lighter stages of sleep, and then we have deep sleep. Um, and that's typically when we get the most restorative benefits is from our stage three or deep sleep. And then we'll have REM that you mentioned, rapid eye movement sleep. That's when we'll do most of our dreaming. Um, and after, you know, we go through one cycle, we actually will all wake up um, naturally, maybe for a few minutes, uh, or sorry, a few seconds. Um, but typically, these awakenings are so brief that we don't really have any memory for them. Um, for some people, however, who particularly ones who are experiencing insomnia, maybe some are having some other kind of sleep disturbance going on, they will wake up in the middle of the night and they'll stay up. And so what happens is over time, the more time you have where you're waking up in the middle of the night, the more your sleep becomes fragmented. And so your body will then get less deep sleep than it needs and more light sleep. Because every time you wake up, you will actually go through light sleep before you enter deep sleep again. So it's kind of like a cycle of light to deep and then goes back up, right? And yeah. so... Um, What's important to know here, this is why I was saying sleep quality is so important because we want our sleep to be very consolidated. We want it to be very solid so that we can get enough deep sleep. Now, the amount of deep sleep that everyone needs is going, going to be dependent because like I was saying earlier, some people need less sleep, some people need more. 
really, you know, I know there are so many trackers out there that are supposedly telling you how much deep sleep versus light sleep. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they're, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Those <laughs> yeah. devices can't really tell whether you're in deep sleep or light sleep. Um, the only way to really know is to do a overnight sleep study, do polysomnography. But, you, know, yeah. you need to have a lot of different measures that you're yeah. looking at to know what stage you're in. Um, and so, it, you know, we don't need to be focusing so much on that. As long as, you know, you're not waking up for long periods, you know, like longer than 30 minutes overall in the middle of the night. Um, and you're noticing you feel refreshed, you have enough energy that you need to do uh, energy for what you need to or want to do during the day, you're fine. <laughs> right? So we don't need to be so go into, you know, the nitty gritty of things as much just kind of take a look at how you're feeling overall during the day. If you're not feeling so great, then that, that might be mean it's time to reach out to a sleep specialist and to kind of like dig, dig in a little deeper and see what might be going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause yeah, I've always found, I'm like, what is like deep sleep and like, how does this work and blah, blah, blah. So you mentioned, yeah, that there's no sort of real way to accurately track it unless you've got, you know, all that stuff attached to you and you're, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're there and you've got all these things attached. Um, so I guess the like the question that we've got is how much does a person need deep sleep in one sleep cycle? But from what you're telling me, there isn't really a way to kind of answer that question, sort of like yeah, really, really just look at it is your sleep solid or not, right? So if you are up for longer than 20 minutes um, in the middle of the night in total, that might mean that your sleep is not solid enough, and so you're maybe not getting enough deep sleep. Yeah. And so you might want to start tracking your sleep and see what your patterns are. You know, of course, once in a while, that will happen to all of us, there's no need to, for concern there. Um, but if it's happening regularly, like three times a week or more, then that means there's probably something going on, we might need to look at. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so there's a few questions here. Yeah, in terms of the relationship between um, feeling tired and sort of actually lacking sleep um like I guess out of like there's there's like three questions that are sort of related to this so I'm trying to sort of like squish them all together um sure does the duration of sleep affect how tired somebody is or is it more tied to the quality because I think so many people and especially I feel like when you're in your your 20s anytime you ask mm -hmm. somebody how they are they're like oh I'm so tired oh I'm so tired oh I'm so tired mm -hmm. but like what mm -hmm. does it mean to actually like how do you know when you're actually tired and you're missing out on sleep versus when you just aren't feeling so great I guess yeah yeah so uh, again that's going to be individual um but you know th there is a difference between feeling tired and feeling sleepy so this okay. is something that I work on with most of the clients that I see is that, you know, we really need to distinguish between the two because tired could mean a lot of things. It, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're sleepy and that your quality is poor or that your duration <laughs> yeah. is not enough. I feel like, um, yeah, it definitely you know, doesn't mean that anymore. <laughs> 
Right. You know, you, you could be stressed out, you know, you, you could be recovering from a hangover. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you could be not eating properly. You could be not hydrating properly. There are so many things that can go into that. And so, you know, we, we don't need to just kind of only look at sleep. We need to look at the whole picture. We need to see what else is happening in your life that could be contributing to how you're feeling during the day. Um, and sleepiness, sleepiness means like you're about to fall asleep at any second. Like, you know, you cannot keep your eyes open, your head's nodding off, you're, you know, you're about to fall asleep. If that's happening regularly, we really need to kind of pay attention to what's going on <laughs> yeah, with the sleep yeah. because yeah, it could be insomnia, but more, most likely it could be that there's some other sort of sleep issue happening. And so yeah. we, we really want to try to kind of examine and follow up with, you know, your healthcare providers around that. Yeah. And our last question. Um, so this person has said, I, I wake up sometimes multiple times during the night, but sometimes I will wake up and sort of, what does it say? Sorry, I'm just sort of trying to summarize it here. Um, sure. I'll wake up and I will be awake, but not entirely awake. It's almost like I'm sleepwalking or, you know, mm. I think, what is it called? That sort of thing where you're awake, but you're not really awake. Um, this person asks, when do I know or when should I see somebody about sort of like my sleep? Like when should I see a sleep therapist? When do I know when that's mm. necessary? Because from the sounds of it, this person sort of like has like a, sleep like they're awake but they're not awake I'm trying to figure out <laughs> yeah I mean I I would want to know more of course but I, I think you know the fact that I want to know more already is probably telling me that it might be time for you to reach out um, <laughs> yep. and just see you know get your specific um questions answered because mm. it sounds like there's something you're concerned about here, right? And so we don't want to ignore that. Um, it could be just normal. It could mean, you know, like I was saying, that there are light stages of sleep. The lightest stage of sleep, that is the stage where you're kind of drifting in and out of sleep. Um, and so you can't really tell whether you're awake or you're asleep. And we all experience that um, throughout the night. And so, you know, it could be that this person might have really interrupted sleep, they're waking up frequently. And so that means they're in light sleep more than deep sleep throughout the night, mm. or it could mean something else is going on. I, I wouldn't know. But if you're concerned about it, I think that means that that that's a sign that you should <laughs> <Yeah>. at least <laughs> ask, reach out for some help. No, definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's so interesting because people sort of have issues with sleepwalking or like, I think it's called like, is it like night terrors? Is that sort of like that thing where you wake night up? There's so many sort of different one. things. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of different kinds of sleep disorders. Maybe there's a REM behavior disorder. That's very rare, but it can happen yeah. <laughs> when people will kind of act out their dreams. Um, yeah. So, so interesting. You know, that, that can be dangerous. We, we, we want to make sure to, to follow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I could, yeah, I could ask you about that all day, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, so we're just going to go into open mic now, just quickly before we finish. And this is essentially where you as the guests sort of get to talk about anything that you want to, any sort of like passions or anything. So it's entirely up to you, Nicole. What, what would you like to talk about? Sure. Um, you know, I might talk about burnout a bit. Um, yeah. I think it, it pretty closely relates to a lot of what we were already discussing today. Mm. 
you know, I, I, in particular, I work with a lot of healthcare providers, a lot of physicians, um, you know, that there has been, uh, you know, as a result of what's been happening, of course, over the, the last two plus years now, there has been a lot more burnout, especially for healthcare workers, um, and for everyone in general, you know, they are finding that they are working longer hours. Um, yeah. And when people started working from home, there wasn't as much separation. And for people who you know also had childcare responsibilities, or maybe taking can't taking care of elderly parents, I mean, there, there's been a lot of stress uh, on us collectively. And so I just want to take some time and say that, you know, it's really important to check in with yourself and uh, on a regular basis and see really how you're doing. I know of social media, a lot of people were throwing out there, you know, check on your friends and family, right? But also, <laughs> yeah. what about you, right? You mm. are also yeah. important. Um, so we really want to make sure we are taking care of ourselves. Otherwise, we cannot take care of other people, right? So yeah. Uh, no, we always say put your own safety mask on first, right? If you're <laughs> ever on an airplane, that's what they say, right? Yeah. So just trying to kind of slow it down a bit. And of course, for some people, they might feel like they they're they can't. They can't slow down. They they might have responsibilities that um, you know, they they might not have a choice and they might feel like they don't have a choice. Um, and of course, my heart go goes out to everyone who might be in that situation. Um, but at the very least, if you are in that situation, you know, can you give yourself some compassion and to just know that, yeah, this might be a really hard time, um, but yeah. I'm going to do my best to, to stay true to myself and my values and try to honor myself as best as I can. And really, that that was kind of the main message I had out yeah. there. Definitely. How, like, what are some signs of burnout? Because I feel like you hear about it, but a lot of people are kind of unsure of what it is. So they kind of can't identify it in themselves. Like, what are some, what are some signs of burnout? Yeah, so there, there can be quite a few, but, you know, and I think it depends on the person, but noticing, you know, that maybe the quality of your work is starting to take a hit um, and that you are personally feeling really taxed, really stressed, um, that you might even get a sense of kind of depersonalization, like not even feeling like you are yourself. Mm, um, yeah. And you might even notice a resentment build up towards, you know, the people that you might be taking care of, right? Because you haven't spent enough time filling up your own cup and nurturing yourself. And so um, hopefully we catch it sooner rather than later. So it doesn't get to a point where it's causing other, you know, more severe types of mental health issues. But, you know, just to kind of notice, like, how am I really functioning, right? And um, am I really taking care of myself the way I need to be? And again, like I said, some people feel like they might not have a choice, but often there is more choice than they are giving themselves credit for. Um, and some of it could relate back to like some perfectionism they might struggle with. And hey, I've been <laughs> yeah. there. I get it. Yeah. I understand. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't need to always be saying yes to everyone and everything, yeah. and you don't need to be liked by everyone. Um, that might be coming from a deeper place, maybe rooted in some challenging experiences you've had in your life. And so you might need to go back and kind of take a look at that and heal from that more so that you can kind of come back and get back in touch yeah. with your true self and, and make sure you are honoring yourself as much as you can. Yeah, definitely. I think it's such yeah a phenomenon that we've seen sort of like take over a lot of people as of recently coming sort of like out of COVID and it's like it's over, but it's not over, but but it is, mm -hmm. but it's not. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I think every country at this point is sort of dealing with it in their, their own kind of way. Like we've been very lucky here in Australia. It's sort of like it's subsided a lot and people are, you know, like the healthcare system is kind of up and running again. And so things are um, better now, but people are still sort of, you know, recovering and expecting so much of themselves. Um, and I sort of, I just want to kind of take a bit of like a veer here um, in terms of mm -hmm. like parents and sort of where they mm -hmm. sit in all of this, because I think COVID was specifically sort of like, it was very hard for parents who maybe had younger kids who were suddenly at mm -hmm. home and that sort of thing. And a lot of those parents were suffering from burnout. Do you have sort of mm -hmm. any kind of like tips and tricks or just sort of recommendations for parents who are kind of struggling with sleep patterns because they have younger mm -hmm. ones or sort of mm -hmm. struggling with being able to balance their professional life and their home life um, sort of like post-COVID and trying to figure that out? Yeah, that, that's a really great, great point. And I, I have seen a lot of that as well in my own practice. Um, I know it can be incredibly challenging for sure. Um, and, you know, first is to try to notice whether there are any judgments, you know, you're placing on yourself around expectations and things like that. And like, I, again, I've been saying this whole time, can we try to manage that a bit better? So you're, mm. there's less harshness in the way you're attending to yourself. Um, and, you know, a lot of these parents probably will do anything for their children, right? Um, and they're not as much thinking about themselves, but, you know, you, the less you spend and invest in yourself energetically, the less you will also have to give to your children. And you also have to think about what you're modeling yeah. for them too, right? Mm, because, yeah. you know, if they are seeing you sacrificing everything for them all the time, um, you know, you're, you're kind of sending along a message that that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed mm. to function as an adult. Yeah, and so yeah that can be passed down, right? And again, it's not to, it's not from a place of judgment. I understand where the intention is coming from. Um, but do we need to always be doing that? Probably not, right? There, There yeah. is something good in modeling to our children that it's also important to take care of ourselves. And of course, everyone's situation is unique. And some people might feel like they're not able to do that all the time, like single parents, for example, right? And, mm, yeah, um, definitely. But maybe there still is more room for you than you're, you're currently giving yourself um, opportunity for. And so can yeah. we try to see if there are some things we might be able to rearrange to help you to take care of yourself? Because it, it's really important. Yeah, definitely. Especially yeah, as like a parent or if you've got kids or people that you have to look after, even if you're sure you're a caregiver, it's 
going to make mm-hmm. it so much harder to look after people if you're not looking after yourself. I feel like that's something that, you know, we've always known, but it's kind of only just sort of sure. clicking in is kind of like, oh, actually, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of have to like take care of myself first, you know, put your own face mask on before you put somebody else's on that kind of situation. Um, but yes, so important. Moral of the story, people just sort of <laughs> take care of yourself and look after yourself so that you can do the same for others in return. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. that brings us um, to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being here. For those who want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Yeah, thank you. It was, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Um, so you can find me uh, on online, my website uh, at wereisepsychology.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole M. That's dr. Uh, Nicole M. Um, as well as, you know, I, I do have a book out there. Um, you can purchase it on Ooh, Amazon. Yes. It, uh, it, you know, talks about a lot of things we discussed today. <laughs> if you're interested in more details, um, it's called The Book of Sleep, 75 Strategies to Relieve Insomnia, um, Ooh, available yeah. on, on Amazon or on Barnes and Noble, wherever you like to purchase. Oh, awesome. That sounds so great. Definitely have to grab a copy of that. And to our listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And thank you again, Nicole, so much for being here. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pp.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.